This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Rum, do you hear something? Yeah, what is that? It's a bird. No, it's a plane. No, it's not that. It's the best of the buzz with Bill. Is that right, eh? It's a good sign of things to come. Commentary on trending headlines with veteran AMI producer Bill Shackleton. Well, now. Billy! I say Shack! Yep, I'm back. How ancient Rome ruins can teach the modern world about accessible travel. Okay. Again, from Mural News. So there's a Colosseum in, um, in Rome. And when you go in there, you see the columns and you see the um, the catacombs, which is what you would expect to see. Mm-hmm. But the one thing you did not expect to see if you went is a chairlift. Oh, and, wow! And that is really and and the chairlift is taking people to the top of the of the actual Colosseum, and this is where you know, the modern world as you, you know, the accessible travel thing comes in. When you think of a, of an ancient, like so much of the, the ancient sites or whatever are, is not accessible at all, but to think that you would put a wheelchair in a Coliseum, I mean, <laughs> talk about being at the forefront of, of the, yeah. you know, this type of thing. My friend who is a uh, very frequent traveler and loves visiting historic sites, and he's completely, totally blind, um, loves to pick out these kind of nuggets of uh, pieces of things that are going on where, you know, something is completely inaccessible. You can't even use the stairs, but there's this tiny little bit of accessibility that they've put in uh, into the ancient elevator. Uh, You know, it's all very interesting to me when we can pull out these pieces of history and say, this existed a long time ago, and then to, to fast forward to today and say, but well, we're having so many issues with it right now. But you know what people would say, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there must have been some very well-off individuals yeah. or government official that needed that lift. Exactly. And, and so there. what? Even exactly to that, I say. long as the regular people could use it, but mostly exactly. they were thinking accessibility were thinking for this person. They, yep. they thought outside yep. the box, even at that time, to say, okay, how are we going to get them up there, Right. Bill and Kelly, t- grab onto that rope and lift. Pull. <laughs> Pulley I'm system, right, you, Billy? <laughs> I'll tell you about the, 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 one of the er- most ironic things about this article is in ancient Rome, people with disabilities were treated, they were stoned to death, they were shunned, mm. you never saw them. Yes. Mind you, in, in war, they were honored. And what would their ancestors think? They would roll over in their grave if they showed up at this castle today and found people with disabilities in it, plus a plus a chairlift. Right. I mean, yeah. can you imagine yeah. what they would have? Yeah. You know. Yeah. People well, had and, to and endure. I... It's it's so similar to what you were saying earlier, Kelly, and from the other article. Like people have had to endure decades and centuries of inaccessibility, and you know, never could even dream of what we have today. So, in so many ways, we feel privileged to be living in this time. Well, your friend that oh, travels absolutely. and being able to actually go in and take these things in, where before it was a picture book with, yeah. with, with descriptions that people got, and you lived through what people had told you if you were low vision or blind, uh, or certainly you needed to be able to go. So, so many people don't have that person to travel with, right? And if they have a partner, you know, that they at least enjoy experiences with, that's great. But a lot of people who would like to travel, who have the means, 
Don't because, well, man, I'm on my own and I don't really know where to go to make sure I'll get assistance. I don't want to spend the money, go to Rome and find out you can't come into the Coliseum. Sorry. Right. I think this is a conversation where, um, I mean, advocates have been saying that the travel is not that accessible all the time. And maybe mm. the more these things become accessible and the more they, they go viral, it's going to make people stand up and, and yeah. you know, and, and take note and maybe maybe we'll get no, you know, we're not perfect yet, but we are starting in, in the right direction. Oh, yeah. Well, Everything accessibility is another way. Just, it, it, accessibility just requires open minds. Sorry, Ron, Exactly. No, and I was just going to say a liner as well. Everything is a, another way to educate, right? No matter if we're into it or not, it's somebody out there is learning something. This braille railing in Naples has gone viral. Interesting story about St. Elmo's Castle. Now, when in, in, in Naples, when you go there, you have a, a, basically a majestic view of Mount Vesuvius. Mm -hmm. And there is a 92-foot rail going along, um, you know, the edge of, the, of, one, of the, one of the castle. And it is braille. And what it has... Mm. It it has a um, the a, the a mural of uh, an Italian artist Giuseppe Di Lorenzo's book, The Land and the Man, and it's verses. It's it's sort of verses that you can read as a as a vision paired person. Um, I think Along it's that railing, ninety two feet. Wow. wow, that is really uh, amazing. Well, and, and it is, and I think when you're asking, when you talk about why it went viral, there's a couple of things. First of all, um, there's a lot of tourism sites that isn't that aren't accessible to us or to anybody. Um, the second reason is that when you, I mean, so much of the information we assimilate is on packages, um, which is fine. We need that information, but how much information is about um, an actual person or about the, about a site, about the general right. site that you're in. And mm -hmm. I think that's why it's gone viral. Um, yeah. A lot of people see, a lot of people see tourism is black and white, either it's accessible or it's not. And of course we know that's not, it's some of the sites are more accessible than others for different people. Yeah. And plus, how much do we retain, right? Like, I've always had this issue when I, uh, it's fun while you're there, or it's interesting, it's captivating, and then later on, I don't remember a thing. So, but this, it, you're making it part of the experience. When I, I always believe in reading Braille, you retain more. So I think in that, in that, in that aspect, you, you gain perhaps more. I think so. Do you get frustrated, though, because, and I, and I think it's something of our nature, um, especially the older people uh, in the sense who have lived and not had some of these things available to us where a younger person may say, wow, well, I've been to a few places that are accessible in one way or another, or I've had Braille to read, but I still get on that side of, hmm, I wonder if this Braille is telling me about everything there is to know about this installation, this display, this this base, or whatever it might be, you always feel like, yeah, it's probably shortened, you know, <laughs> because Braille takes up more space than, than what print. So you stop and think, well, what is he getting over there that I'm not being able to read it in print? The question I, I of, still like, is catch there myself enough? with that. Yeah, is yeah. there enough? But then again, there's still at least 
more than there was 10 years ago, mm -hmm. 20 years ago, 100 years ago, accessible to me if I'm a Braille reader. The the actual site is the 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 the, the Braille does not describe the scenic view in this case. Right. It's no. just no. It's just um, and you Readings. wonder. I would like to have the scenic view, but they but for some reason they think that that, that that they didn't do that. And should they have or should they not have? I don't know. I I think for some people it means nothing to, but others it does. If you've been able to see, which we know according to statistics, more persons who are classes uh, low vision or blind have have some usable vision to some mm -hmm. sort. So maybe they can imagine, they can depict, they remember their colors or whatever it might be. So I think a lot would would opt for like. Like you, Bill, a description of. I mean, the reading's nice, the work yeah. itself, and what a cool installation. But that to me is more what it is. It's a neat installation to sit, read, to see that somebody did. Am I going to stand there and read 92 feet of Braille? Pro probably not. No, but nonetheless, like if you're, you know, walking a uh, 100 feet or experience that 92 feet of Braille, you're getting like a, a tactile experience, right? It's more you of a three-dimensional experience than reading about something, because I could do that at home. And I think that it's just well, one extra layer of putting something in that people could say, oh yeah, I can understand this more. And and also, what did you say, Bill, right from the start? It's gone viral. So what yes. is this doing, whether it's for Braille, whether it's a, the uniqueness of it, or just informing people of it out there, it's letting someone else know who's right now listening to us saying, well, I think that's pretty cool, mm. because they don't have the experience of Braille in any capacity or nothing to relate to it. So for them, this is a really interesting educational thing, not all about accessibility or disability. It's, wow, that's neat. I want to touch that. And that's really cool thing. How Canadians got their beloved breakfast cereal back, Red River. Isn't that uh, your favorite? You know, um, no, I'm going to just a little bit about it. We at the W. Ross McDonald School, we, uh, in my era, we uh, grew up on Red River. River. It was a staple, and it was the most god-awful cereal I ever, you know, no matter how much I drenched it with brown sugar, I couldn't get the taste. I, I just, I mean, it tasted, it smelled, it was gritty. Um, I didn't, Bill. I just hated the stuff. I don't know how you and do I'll this say with a to you, face. I'll say to you what I said the last time you said this when we were at W. Ross at the alumni. And we still Terry have the Gray clip. Was joining us. So we good. do. Uh, I think all of us do. But I will say, gee, I liked it. And Bill was just about gag, folks. Yeah. He just yeah. did not like Red River cereal. <laughs> whereas I struggled with some of the others, like cream of wheat. And I was like, what is this? Oh, that yeah. one, I had to do the big sugar, as you were speaking. Tons of sugar on but that But we got one. more info today, though. You drenched it with yeah. brown sugar. I had no clue about that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it just didn't, it. didn't work. Didn't yeah, work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but apparently what happened was it it was discontinued by jam smuckers in 2021 i believe and when you think about red river it conjures up a lot of images uh canadian it's it it follows you around like a cold winter in canada it kept you warm people loved it it was simple um you know it people took it camping with them and it was just when it was discontinued people went just bananas over social on social media because they they missed it i said how the heck can you miss that <laughs> but apparently 
Um, it's a staple. It bottle, That's why. Yeah, it is. Yes. It, it is. It is. Simple, made of, of wheat, flax, and flour in 1924. Sounds really in, healthy. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, I guess well, that's why I other hate than it. Billy's uh, ton and that's a half right. of sugar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, basically, it was brought out by it was bought by Arkeo Flour Mill in Ontario, and they can't get enough of it off. The, it, it, it's coming off the shelves. People can't get even enough now. Of it. Even now, like it, it, oh. they they bought it out last year, um, yeah, or they, and they just can't get enough. Why don't we hear about this more? Like the day to day, are people embarrassed of eating Red River? Because no, when you I, ask... I, I, I've eaten it up until, and it's funny, I wasn't aware you couldn't, that they had stopped making it, because I bought it about two, three years ago, maybe, uh -huh. maybe, I, maybe a little more than that. I, uh, I've always enjoyed Red Ritter, as I said, and it, that's kind of funny to me, because this was news to me that it even disappeared for a while. Right, right. Yeah, because, I mean, now when you hear about people's favorite cereals and whatever, nobody ever mentions Red River. Cause, no, everybody I mean, only mentions oatmeal, whether it's your steel cut yeah, oats, that's true. Uh, or, yeah. or, you know... Um, Are you what, supposed what to eat morning? this like oatmeal? Like, is it hot? Is it it's hot? A, yeah, yeah, it's hot. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's it's hot. Sorry, it, Billy, I was imagining, like, Rice Krispies. My bad. Oh, no, no, no. no. no this is a no. hot thing. A hot thing. It's, it, it, it's porridge. That's funny. What did you hate about it, Bill? The flaxseed? That like, do you know? Because I, I like the, the, the texture. Seed. I like the all texture. Okay. The texture. It do you like regular my, oatmeal? No. Okay, so no. it's, it's a because whole of the texture thing. as well, right? Yeah. yeah. And the okay. smell. The smell would kill wow. you. I mean, I just didn't, and it got stuck in no, your teeth. No, you to get rid of that smell, uh, Bill. You had to pour enough milk in to get rid of the smell of oatmeal, cream of wheat, or Red River, as far as I'm concerned. Oatmeal doesn't smell. Oh, sure it does. Not a Bad smell, just the smell of oatmeal. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a. I I prefer the smell of Red River. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotta well, do it. Smells, We're gonna do on, a Ramiel. test, a comparison. Well, test. no, but if you're gonna do a comparison and you're gonna check these smells out, you can't be throwing. We the reason you can stand oatmeal smells because you throw cinnamon and ray. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. You, but people throw stuff in it, yeah. and any of these, let's be fair, in all of them. So the natural smell of them, no, it's gonna be mask. It's true, it's mask. But the other thing is, like, I only know oatmeal when I think porridge right. or whatever this hot cereal stuff. Only oatmeal, only oats. So. I'm curious about what this other stuff smells like. Oh, okay. I don't I, feel I'm... Red River has much of a smell, personally, less than oatmeal. It does to Billy, right? Yeah, it has a Just texture to him, that's for sure. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Is someone bugging you? Dedicate a roach. So basically, <laughs> this is really from the Toronto Star. So you know Valentine's Day is around the corner. Mm -hmm. And basically, you know that to some people humbug it. There's there's a lot of people that don't like Valentine's Day. Um, maybe they're heartbroken. Maybe they're someone's bugging them. If somebody is, you can send them a cockroach. Um, so the Wildlife cons cons Conservancy in, um, in Toronto has decided that they've got a campaign where basically what you do is you, for $25, you register with uh, Canadian Controversy, wildlifecontroversy.ca, and you basically get to a, a cockroach, not a real one. It's a, basically a graphic. But basically what you do is you get a, a certificate with um, with a cockroach, 
and the person's name that that you want to send it to. Mm-hmm. And you get they get an e-card if you want. So you can send your friend a cockroach. So hold up. Friend. Okay. Um or somebody. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anybody, right? <laughs> <laughs> your ex. Wait. Your ex. It's not a real cockroach that they're naming no. this person after. Oh, that's no, a it's bummer. it's a graphic. It's just a graphic. They're not gonna send a cockroach. A no, not a one. send a cockroach, but I thought there'd be like a real live cockroach. No, there, no. Okay. No. Yeah. But still, I mean, hey, send it to your whatever. Yeah, I will um, say, because this is on the the heels of talking about this on Now with Dave Brown, I think it was yesterday morning, and the controversial, or the conversation got real heavy because of the insinuation of cockroaches in historical context, right? And this is something that Dave Brown pointed up that I thought I'd bring up now because I thought it was really important. Um, you know, there's the fun elements to this, the, the closure, the kind of, hey, you bug me, you know, poke. Right. But uh, also he was mentioning that historically cockroaches were used to um, insinuate, you know, enemy territory or when we're talking like the the Nazis and all of this other stuff. And it does have a bad rep. So I just wanted to point that out because he pointed it out and it really uh, stuck out to me. Well, well actually, we, we, it is good. Oh, go ahead, it, it has. Yep. Um, I mean, I mean, it 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 kills, it forages, it kills certain bugs or whatever. So, yeah, mm-hmm. um, it's interesting too the rap we put on certain things, right? Certain animals, yeah. certain bugs. Uh, you know, I've always said that to people who, pests, when you hear, right? well, yeah. yeah. But even if you look at at people who are really against people eating venison or what have you, but yet they'll sit there and eat a roast beef. And there's a difference to them. In their mind, you know, well, they think a Bambi. They think it's cute. And the, so how can you sit there and eat venison or hunt it, yeah. but yet we, we eat cattle? So, and people do the same. I'm not saying they eat. Well, there's some parts of the world people do eat bugs, of course. Um, but it's what, what we put the label on. It's okay to say, yeah, name a cockroach after somebody you don't care for. <laughs> right. You know, or whatever. But we wouldn't say that, oh, the, name that precious ladybug. It, it's uh, a you know, lighthearted or, or attempt. I'm, yeah. I will yeah. definitely give them that. It's a lighthearted yeah, it's, attempt. It's, but it's I wonder how much feedback, good and bad, they've gotten lots. about it. Yeah, Lots. They're yeah. getting lots of responses from it. It's, you know, it, it was because of other zoos in the U.S. doing this. So yeah. It's yeah, sort of we heard about this a couple of years back, mm-hmm. right? And and doing things like this for fundraising events. And, okay, it, it sounds like a nice idea. I think you could just be safe. Name a bug after, you know, after somebody or name, right. you know, at certain an animal and, and that kind of thing. And maybe we do a draw and that newborn cub gets called, mm-hmm. you know, Toby or George or whoever. Yeah, it's kind awesome. of, um, I don't know, maybe it's just the times, you know, in the past there's, there have been fundraising attempts that felt very controversial. Like we've had some in the blind vision community. I won't name any right now, but just saying there were some that felt like, Ugh, that doesn't sit well with me, you know, but that's because we're part of the community and it did not feel right. Whereas other people took to it. Absolutely. Um, well, but as we move into, you know, different times, different language, different approaches to things, I do wonder if certain, if we can't always pass everything. It's like people getting bothered about naming guide dogs after the companies who sponsor them. Right. Well, why would you call a dog that? That's a weird name. Yeah. Well, they, they sponsored the dog. It, it's a makes sense. And just sense, like positive insight you. versus, you know, right. negative. Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
you guys like a snow plow named after you. I love it because I used to be called the big diesel because I just knock everybody over. <laughs> Amazing. Charge down that hallway, Bill. Clear yeah, them out. That's, well, actually, um, Max Kerman, who is the lead singer of the Arkells, has, you know, he can fill a stadium with his music, but now he's got a snowplow named after him in Hamilton. So basically what they've done was there were, there were 10 snowplows that were going to be named, that were nominated for, to be named after certain people. And he got it. They're calling it the Kerminator. I love that. <laughs> that is That's awesome. just fantastic. Wow. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's really, I mean, his father campaigned for it and he, and he got that. And I just love the idea of, of, of a, a snowplow being named after a person. I don't wonder, I wonder how well it's going to work. Is it engraved into the snowplow? Like, how do we I, know? I don't, I don't know. I don't know that. Mm. Um, I That'd just be cool to do with athletes too, wouldn't it, Billy? Yeah. Like if you did that where when they, like at a, you know, my former Toronto Maple Leafs or whatever, you name the Zambonis after, you know, uh, across the league and, and crazy stuff like that, that is out there being utilized and, and in that kind of fun way. You know, Nick Nurse, um, the coach of the Raptors, he's played with the Arkells and that kind of thing. And I think he, he'd be on board with something like that if Toronto, uh, in his leaving, whenever that comes to be, named the snowplow after him. You know, I told the team, get out there and plow them over. <laughs> Just plow through those teams. I think that's flattering. Um, would a snowplow be what you'd want to be named after, Bill, or another vehicle? No, I love the snowplow. I mean, as I say, people hated me because I just ran into them on the ice, on the football field, and they go down. Like, there's no way. They just go down. You didn't create so that nickname for yourself, diesel. right? No, no. I was create. I, somebody called, said, the, you're like a big diesel, and I was called the big diesel. Nice. <laughs> Love it. Oh, that's awesome. Rum, what would you want named after you? Oh, gosh. I don't know. It'd have to be something. Red River. Small. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rum, yeah, Red River cereal. It'd have to right? be something small, like, you know, nothing as big and luxurious as you guys. I don't know. Not a fire truck? No. Too big? No, too big. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, not not we'll one of the ferries of out there at uh, oh, out, the like ferry. Across the center oh, that's cute. Maybe we'll right. get a ferry Something named after me. U.S. official warns of risks posed by heavy electric vehicles. This is um, from Associated Press. And I must, first of all, you can't win with these articles. So basically, an official from the U.S. Transportation Board is actually warning, um, they, she, they made a speech, and they basically are, are concerned about um, the potential of accidents when a heavy electric vehicle um, hits um, like a normal combustion vehicle. I'm going uh -huh. um, to throw some numbers at you. So an electric Hummer weighs 9,000 pounds. The battery pack alone is 2,900 pounds, which is the weight oh. of a Honda Civic. A Civic. Wow. Um, so, I mean, I get the concern, um, but I mean, where's the evidence that there is, that there's, this is going to be a problem. If she is, this official is warning of a potential problem, which may occur or may not. Mm -hmm. And it's certainly kind of, it'll it's take its of, toll on roads. That's for sure. Yeah, with that many, as time goes on, the weight of the vehicles, but time will change too with the way we build roads. 
Well, and and it's like, yeah, what? So we're we're we want to use these electric vehicles, and now we're saying that they could be a pose a, a pose a problem. Um, so I don't know where you, you as I say, you can't you can't you can't win. The problem with the with the is the battery packs are so heavy. There are manufacturers that are starting to, you know, put more power and less in 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 so they can be lighter. But for now, yeah. I don't know if this is going yeah. to be a concern or whether it's well, just. It's tricky, Bill, also because we want that for the environment. We also know batteries are going to be a little more dangerous at the moment until that technology sure. gets dealt with. The weight of them, we're looking at what that does, but we all want to be able to charge it as infrequent as possible. So there's got to be a way down the road, as there was with the combustion engine, to kind of meet mm -hmm. in the middle but it's going to take time, development, and and I think that's the efforts, Ramya, that we need to see. Yeah, definitely. And also, it's, I'm just going back to, like, the forewarning of a problem. I'm not sure if that's productive at all. Like, you know? I don't know either. Yeah. It, it's one thing if it's backed by um, the kind of evidence that we need evidence. to say either Where pull them on or not. Yeah, exactly. Pull them off the roads or not. But just to be like, you know, be warned, this may happen is just, it, it doesn't really leave. It's any, not. Yeah, that sounds kind of strange. Bill Shackleton is a usual suspect on our show, Kelly and Rumya. You can catch Shack skulking around the studio on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at the end of the first hour of the show. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts for more of the buzz. The Best of the Buzz with Bill features Bill Shackleton, Kelly McDonald, and Ramya Amuthan of the AMI show, Kelly and Ramya. The technical producers of this podcast are Matt Agnew, Jeff Ryman, and Grace Scofield. The manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank.